Hey you, Nina here. This episode invites you to play with racism as a disorder. That's right, folks. We're playing with a racial disorder spectrum. <laughs> so I'm curious. Are you ready to play? Welcome to Triggered. Can we play with that? You know that moment when your emotions ramp up in an instant, leaving you feeling helpless, frozen, or out of control? In that moment, you've been emotionally hijacked, the very definition of triggered. And I want to ask you, can we play with that? I'm Nina El Garcia, drama therapist and empowerment coach of Houston Creative Arts Therapy. Join me as we discover ways to empower you and the people who mean the most to you to transform hard conversations into teachable moments. Triggered. Real playful. Real respectful. Real empowered. Let's take a breath. So today we're playing with racism as a disorder. We are going to be giving each other the permission to be non-judgmental around this. We are going to play with this. So if this is a challenging space for you, I invite you to really take that breath in again and ask yourself, can I play with this today? And if the answer is yes, let's do it. Okay. So first off, let's talk about what does it mean to have a disorder, right? Because when we say like racism is a disease, I don't mean that you can contract it like one does a cold or the flu. I want us to imagine that it's like a disorder, like a personality disorder, bipolar disorder, so on and so forth, that that it is something that is going to have to be taken care of throughout the lifetime. It's not something that we have a cure for, right? I don't have an overnight fix for it. And I want to offer it in this way because even when it comes to healing racism, there seems to be a binary in popular thinking. It's like one day you're racist. And if you work really hard, one day you cannot be racist. And that is just not how it works. <laughs> a part of me would wish that like, it's like, yes, we can heal it. We can just check off the box. Um, but that's not how it works. And my invitation to you is to challenge that binary thinking, that either or thinking, that all or nothing thinking, and to really commit to the idea that if racism were a disorder, that none of us can get away from it. Because it is everywhere systematic throughout the culture that no one can be a zero when it comes to am I on the spectrum of racial disorder? And what I mean by no one can be a zero is thinking from a spectrum, which if you listen, you know that that's a one through five spectrum, five being the most racist you could be, one being the least racist you could be, because no one again can be at a zero. We don't live in bubbles. We live in an interrelated, multicultural, incredibly diverse society with several interactions through media, personal, a variety of media, right? All sorts of different ways that we're engaging with one another. So no one gets to be at zero. And I know you're like, I can be at zero. I can be at zero. And listen, if you get to be at zero, you let me know how you're doing it, okay? Because I uh, don't think it's possible. And being the ever optimist that I am, I do think it's possible to get as close to one as you can and hear me out because I am going to explain to you why this is important and how it can be incredibly beneficial. 
So today, I want to capture my experience reality of that spectrum of racism, that racial disorder, again, as if it were a chronic disorder, which means if it's a chronic disorder, it's going to have flare-ups and episodes where it's worse based on what I'm experiencing in my life, like any disorder. And I want us to look at it and realize that if we can function within this spectrum, we can realize how important it is for all of us, no matter what our racial or ethnic and so on, right? Whatever identity pieces we have make up, how important it is for all of us to recognize symptom maintenance. Every person living in America, and I'm going to speak to my American audience because I am coming to you as an American. And I am going to offer you this tool. So if you are still hanging in there with me, hello and welcome. You might want to grab you a journal because this can be incredibly helpful. And I am going to explain to you that one through five. I am going to go ahead and post it on our Instagram after this. But so that you have it right here live and in person with me, here we go. One through five. Again, five is the most, one is the least. No one gets to be at zero. If we look at five, five is the most, it is an overtly or intentionally racist. This is your like garden variety white supremacist, garden variety supremacist, period, right? That's what a level five is. If I am overtly or intentionally racist, we're going to come back to that. If I move on down to four, four is my casually racist, right? This is like macroaggression country. These are the people who you hear uh, saying things like, you know, oh, it was just a joke. Can't you take a joke? Right. Or you're just too sensitive. I mean, come on. It's just, it's just a joke, right? All those, like, I'm saying something that I know is offensive to you, but I don't expect you to take it personally. I don't expect you to be offended by it. Okay. That's your casual racist. They're still open about it, but they're passing it off. Like it's no biggie. Whereas a five very clearly is like, nope, this is my intention. My intention is to put other people down because I think I'm better than them. Right. I think I'm above them in some way, shape or form. So that's a five. That's a four, five and four on the spectrum. For those of you who are hip to the lingo, that's explicit. Okay. That is explicit bias. It is very obvious. We can point it out as we move ourselves down closer to one, it starts to become implicit. And this is where it gets a little bit dicey right now with three, a three on the spectrum can go either way, right? It can lean more toward four. It can lean more toward two, but a three is our covert racist. Covert racists know that they're not supposed to say it out loud but they're thinking it or they're feeling it. And so what ends up happening with our covert racists out there is it might slip out if they can sense that someone else might be thinking the same thing or could be thinking the same thing. Again, they know that I shouldn't say that in public, but if they get the sensation that someone is near them, they're going to get the uh, eye look. They're going to do the eyebrow raise. You might even hear the, I mean, can you believe this? You know what I'm saying? Out the side of the mouth. That's your covert racist. Now, here's the thing. They might not even recognize what they are doing. Right? And it's harder to point out because, again, it's no longer as explicit as a four or five. Y'all staying with me here? You staying with me here? Okay. Again, as we look through this, we want to look at this without judgment to the best degree that you are able because it does not help us to start saying, 
uh, to take this so personally that we can't, don't even know how to put ourselves on this spectrum, don't know how to put our loved ones on the spectrum or the people in our lives on the spectrum. And I want you to be able to do that. So without further ado, let's keep going on down. A two on the spectrum is an unintentional racist. Okay. An unintentional racist is implicit again. The bias is implicit. They intend to do well. They intend to help, but they don't realize usually when they have done something that may put someone else down. They may even have a tendency to do things that put other people down and they don't realize it because when we're uh, speaking from a place of unintentional racism, anyone, when we're speaking from that, that place, we're speaking from a place that says, I think I know what's best for you, right? And that's like a, hey, great intentions. And yet you may not know what is best for someone else based on their life experience. An unintentional racist comes from a powered position. They believe that they are actually above you and they may not recognize it. It may be something, again, that is uh, subconscious. It's unintentional. It can be called out in some spaces and a lot of professionals who have done even a little bit of work will be in actually a category two. There are times when they believe they know what's best for someone else. And and that is that unintentional racist piece uh, coming up. Moving on down to one. One is an unconscious racist because We all have to assume that we are infected by this disorder, that we all have to assume that we have to do symptom maintenance. This is the hardest one to catch. Unconscious racists do the best, uh, have the best of intentions, and this is true. But what ends up happening is they come across narratives that they don't know exist. They don't realize it. And here's the big difference. When someone else calls them out for it, They are able to hold themselves accountable. A two is going to get defensive. That wasn't my intent. Uh, That wasn't my intent. I don't know why you're taking this so personally, right? A two doesn't recognize that impact is not the same as intent. A one, when they are called out, they hold themselves accountable and they will share, oh my gosh, that was not my intention. I see now how you can bring that up to my attention. I see now how that could have been the impact. Here's what I'm going to do next time, right? And they hold themselves accountable. A one is empowered. They're speaking from an empowered space. They don't put themselves down and go into a victim mentality of, I don't know what I was thinking. I'm so sorry. And lower themselves. They understand that they are going to step into sticky, uncomfortable moments and they raise themselves up to be accountable and they empower the narrative of the other person by validating that narrative, and then they figure out how to move forward. If we are working toward being one, that unconscious racist piece, we're working toward accountability. Now, I've gone through all five of these pieces, and in no way, shape, or form are these the titles that are permanently going to be here for this one through five. But I want you to start thinking about this. Where do I fit when it comes to these pieces, right? If these were characters, each of these, one through five is its own character. When does that character come out of you? 
which of these characters lives more in your body? One through five, which one lives more in your body? Which one lives more in the body of someone you love? And really think about that. Choose a person you love. Where would they go on this spectrum? Take it a step further. Where would someone who's an acquaintance, you know, choose an acquaintance you have in mind, where would they go on this spectrum? Now choose someone who is really a struggle for you, really a struggle. They bring a lot of uh, animosity, uh, hate, struggle, challenge into your life. Think about that person. Where do they fit on this spectrum? Then take you a breath in. And come back to you. Check in with your own body and recognize that if we are going to look at this without judgment and accept the fact that racism has been around for hundreds of years, hundreds and hundreds of years, we're all infected. And guess what? We're not born with it as something that is there. Uh, that is going to be rearing itself, right? It's not like children come in and automatically know we teach this to them, which means we can recondition. We can change. And the same way that we say that without judgment, we can change the way that we're raising our youth. We can change as adults. We can change. We can say, I choose to be aware of where this is. And now that I have the knowledge about this, I am going to intentionally do something to change it. And because we are looking at it, continuing from this, from the spectrum lens, from the idea that this is a historical disorder that has has gotten more intricate with time, we're also going to be invited not to take it personally, when someone is a three, four, or five, or even a two, when someone does something that offends us in this category, and here's why I say this. I know a lot of people will rear up here, but I want you to take that breath, and here's why I say this. Because when you see someone, especially at a three, four, or five, engaging or interacting with you, that person is not well. And in no way, shape, or form am I trying to say they get to get away with things. Mm-mm. When those of us who have bipolar disorder are in an episode and we are not well, we don't get to get off the hook for the things we do. We don't. We end up having to deal with it and pick up the pieces when we are well enough to do so. That's how disorders work. We have flare-ups and episodes where it's worse, and it is all about symptom maintenance. And if we can get to that place where we are maintaining as close as possible on this spectrum to a one, then hallelujah, that is the best thing that we can do. But I cannot expect a five to jump to a one just because they know that they are a five. They might need to go down to a four, to a three, to a two before they can get there. That is the invitation that I have coming from a creative, playful, trauma-informed space if we were to think of racism as a disorder. 
And so as we near the end of this episode, I am definitely curious, what is your takeaway? What is your takeaway? What's sitting with you? Personally, I'm sitting with a lot of curiosity around the spectrum. We have a course being designed specifically around this. And there are other ways that we can use spectrum thinking when it comes to other pieces of identity. But in particular, um, there's actually a narrative that comes up for me around the spectrum. And uh, I I will share it. Uh, Fives and fours are obvious, right? We gave that. I gave an example of three. I gave an example of two. Here's an example of a one. I have a beautiful niece. My first uh, niece that I, that I have had is very special to me. And uh, I had this adorable little outfit that I had bought and my daughter couldn't wear it once. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to give it to my niece when she's big enough. And it was this cute little white romper and it had these cute little green cactuses all over it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to call her my little nopalita. It's going to be great. Oh my gosh, that's going to be my nickname for her. And I'm like vibing on being an aunt, right? And for those of you who don't know, nopalita is like my little cactus, right? Um, and that's what was all over. I and mean, I was like, yes, I was trying to find this nickname because again, I'm like, I'm going to nickname my niece. It's going to be great. And I'm in my likes vibe zone. And when my niece gets old enough, I say, hola, my little nopalita, right? Hello, my little cactus. And her mother looks at me and says, what did you say? And I said, nopalita. She goes, what do you think that means? And I said, my little cactus, right? And she was like, oh, okay. And I didn't recognize anything then. She asked me that and I thought, okay. I said it, we're good. We moved on. I had said it at least two more times when we were at a family gathering. This is now weeks, if not months later. And my brother, my niece's father, steps up to me and says, Nina, do you know what that means? And I said, yes, it means little cactus. Why do you guys keep asking me that? And he turns around and he says, Nina, I don't know if you know this, but in Mexican culture, when you come across the border, it's actually a slur to call someone nopal. It's like cara de nopal, which is like face of the cactus, which is like to say that the cactus is stuck to their face when they cross to the border. And even as I say this, I feel my chest tighten and my stomach sink because I was so disgusted. And here are the tears. I was so disgusted that I had said something that had such a narrative behind it that I had never heard in my life. I did not know this was a narrative that existed. And if I had been uh, responding in a level two way, I would have said, oh my God, that is not my intention. How could you ever even think that? And I would have been very defensive. And that's not what I said. I apologized. And I said, I'm so sorry that you have had to hear me. I looked at my sister-in-law right in the face, my niece's mother. And I said, I'm so sorry that you have had to hear me say that. At least three times I've said it. I am so sorry. I had no idea that that was a narrative. I will never call her that again. I will be referring to her as her name from here on out. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. And I'm not going to lie. I walked away from that and I cried in the corner. I did not cry in front of them, but I did. I cried in the corner. This is the kind of stuff that we're going to step in because it already exists out there. And I was uncomfortable and it was sticky and I felt gross. And in no way was it my intention. But you know what? It sure was the impact. And so... There are moments 
in this life that, that you're going to have. You're going to have these moments. And I want to ask you, are you ready to step up to those moments with the tools that you need to empower yourself and others in that moment, not to come from a powered place or, or an I'm sticky and uncomfortable and I want to remain neutral or I need to step out of this. No, no, no. Can you just take a breath? And can you come from an empowered place on this? That is my invitation to you. I want you to let me know what you're playing with. Head to HoustonCreativeArtsTherapy.com. That's arts with an S slash triggered. Okay. Go to our website and on the triggered. And in fact, actually it's not triggered anymore. It's slash podcast. If you go to the podcast page, um, especially if you're looking to submit your own moment for an upcoming episode, or you are just wanting to talk with me about sticky and uncomfortable places so that we can together transform hard conversations into teachable moments. I am your girl. Reach out. I want to know what you're sitting with. And for those of you who enjoy a bit of self-exploration, I'll leave you with a question for the upcoming week. I want you to ask yourself, where do I fall on the racial disorder spectrum? That's it. Where do you fall? That's what we planned for today, folks. So thank you for taking a minute to explore your triggers as a human. And if this has been helpful and you'd like to support Trigger Can We Play With That, please feel free to leave a rating and a review on iTunes as it actually helps other people find us when you do. Otherwise, stay curious.